Welcome to episode 392 of We Don't Die Radio. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international bestseller called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And this is a special video episode. So if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, and you'd rather be watching, head over to YouTube, type in We Don't Die Radio 392. And just a reminder, our home base is wedontdie.com, where we have host all kinds of wonderful classes, medium demonstrations, and so much more. I also have a second podcast these days that iHeartRadio requested of me, which is a little bit more me, a little bit less of interviewing guests, but it's all things afterlife. It's called Shades of the Afterlife, and you can find that on your favorite podcast app. Now for our episode today, I am so excited to bring back a repeated guest. And in fact, he's been voted our most favorite guest of We Don't Die Radio. It's the wonderful Scott Milligan. Scott has been a medium and sitting on behalf of the spirit world today, 26 years. So we are recording this on the 2nd of May, 2023. How did I first meet Scott, you ask? Well, many years ago, it was 2016. I was on my own journey to find really great evidence of the afterlife. And lo and behold, I heard of something called physical mediumship, which sounded a little too good to be true. But the only way to know for sure if it is real is to take a journey. And so I took a 3000 mile journey from Boston over to Heathrow airport, a taxi cab, another hour and a half went to a beautiful retreat called Banyan retreat and met the wonderful Scott Milligan, a whole bunch of other great people. And in the course of, I think it was four or five days, I went from believing to knowing witnessing the miraculous, hearing different forms of evidential mediumship, trance mediumship, and physical mediumship. Scott became one of my favorite people real fast. And for the past three years, we have been doing online classes and demonstrations all about this wonderful world of trance and the altered states on physical mediumship and more. So I've said enough. Scott Milligan, welcome back, my friend, and happy anniversary. You're on We Don't Die Radio. Oh, my goodness me. Thank you so much for that uh, list of thoughts that you just put towards me. And thank you so much for having me back. And I'm very humbled by hearing that people enjoy the rambling words of myself. And I'm so pleased uh, from your darkest moment we became friends. And I class you as my spiritual sister. I haven't called you Miss America for a long time. I think sometimes that it evolves, doesn't it? And um, I don't know what else to call you besides buddy, friend, pal, and all that jazz. Yeah, we are family. We are. Yeah, Scott, you didn't know this, but I was kind of stalking you before we even met. Uh, There was another physical medium that I, I had heard about, and I had checked out his website. And there was a recommended link to you, your name. So I found you on Facebook. I asked for a friend request on Facebook. And for whatever reason, you said yes, not knowing who I was. But it was there that I found out about Voices of Eternity. And then I met you. And then I just knew like what you do and your spirit team is so rare that it needs to be shared as far and wide as possibly 
it can be. So I was on this mission, never knowing that we'd become friends. We'd have fun together. We'd go to Disney together, meet in Las Vegas now and again, <laughs> and so much more. <laughs> Love it. Isn't that how wonderful something seems to weave its magic um, for whatever reason, a great power has brought us together. Like as we're talking to these wonderful people who are listening, who we may not know at this moment their name, but we don't know one day we may hold their hand to greet them as a friend. I believe that our souls uh, are listening to an invisible world and they have a master's plan. And maybe the plan is back then uh, was weaved into place so we can sit today and speak and hopefully touch someone who is in need. And I think that's the important thing for what you do and what I do is that we help people who are grieving because grief does not care. Does not care if you're rich, poor, old, young, wise, or a little bit slow like myself. Grief gets you. And maybe someone today is just feeling that little pinch. And our words hopefully will bring back a bit of smile uh, into their lives. Yes, I know it will. Grief for me kind of cracked me open raw and had me go on this journey or continue the journey, finding evidence of the afterlife. And now I can't help but share. I think people come into this conversation for different reasons, fear of dying, et cetera. But you were a young man because again, happy anniversary. It's your 26th year anniversary. You were a young man finding out about this. It wasn't grief that brought you in. You want to talk? Go back. I got goosebumps just even thinking 26 years ago. What has a young man like yourself, and you're still a young man, start the interest of the afterlife? Well, I think first of all, I was slimmer back then, so I could be I could easily sit between people who are wedged into a very small room. Um, and I do do believe it's easy to think backwards than to think forwards. If you said to me you're going to sit for 26 years now, I think that would be overwhelming. But if we look back on our lives, 26 years ago seemed to go as quick as that. Um, I wasn't necessarily interested in spiritualism I didn't know what it was about uh, me and religion fell out big time because I don't necessarily feel comfortable that a, a religion what says God calls you and you must go I think that's a very cruel religion um, but I was a shy young man um, a bit of a goth I used to wear a lot of black and um, I was trying to discover who I was and what I could do in life. And I had my heart set on being a paramedic. I wanted to be a paramedic. I wanted to run towards the burning buildings and bad situations and hopefully make something uh, better. And uh, could you imagine that if you were choking or having a heart attack, there's me racking up. In, in an ambulance going, oh, my goodness me. Um, I don't think I would be the the best person to turn up at that situation. But that's what I had my heart set on. And little did I know that that was not what my soul wanted. Um, I was 
play in the UK lottery, not necessarily at the right age, but I was playing it anyway because I'm six foot four and my age um, looked different through my height on my build. And I went to a concert and when I got home, I needed to check my lottery ticket. And I had this thing called Teletext, which is where you find your numbers. And I said to my dad, can you just tell me the numbers? And uh, as he was reading out the numbers, I was saying, I've got that, I've got that, and I've got that, and I've got that. And I got five numbers on the UK lottery. And with the UK lottery, um, with these five numbers, uh, uh, I'm still... um, trying to digest how these five numbers came up so out of six i got five and i won what i believe to be a lot of money ladies and gentlemen we had a little technical glitch i lost internet so we're back so scott carry on if you would well it's interesting there's a medium sometimes the connection is strong and sometimes it's weak maybe something is telling us that we need to just celebrate instead but as I was saying, that my dad was reading out the numbers and I got five numbers on the UK lottery. And I believe that I um, had a lot of money uh, for someone who's 15 years old, winning £1,689, and I think it was 36 pence. And I wanted to buy a computer. And unfortunately, um, whatever happened, I was not meant to have the computer that day. But I had a reading. Uh, with a psychic instead which I thought was a ploy to part with my money I'm very skeptical and this psychic who was called Sylvia Collins gave me some information that only I would know Uh, but because my family was very well known in Burgess Hill which is the small town in which I live I believed that she was trying to get hold of my money and then later on that night um, I got a call from a lady called Brenda Sheridan who said that there was a physical seance and my details were given. And I, again, I thought that this is crazy, this is wrong. And I put down the phone and then she phoned back and said, I believe we got disconnected, let me carry on. And a voice inside me said, listen. And I never forget that moment of being thirsty, thirsty to understand more, thirsty to understand why is this random person who we have not met is talking to me like I'm their best friend. And uh, lo and behold, the information that she gave me set me on the path that led me 26 years ago today to go into a room with a gentleman and two, three other people, sorry, and be tied to a chair and a curtain put across me and the instructions work. Scott is talking about the world of physical mediumship now, but I want to ask you, Scott, when you went into the first room, when you got invited in, what happened? Because as I recall, it was a bunch of old people and kind of weird, right? Well, so after the first uh, encounter with my circle leader, who's John Austin, he said, go and see my medium work, which was Colin Fry. And I walked into a room, which was a shed at the end of the garden. Um, but if you ever said it was a shed, you'd be kicked out. So it was called the Spirit Lodge at um, 82 New England Road in Hove. Um, sorry, New England Road in Hayward Teeth, should I say. And it was like God's waiting room. I went in there and 
if you can imagine, everyone was just dusty. Um, but they were dressed in their best, and there was all ages from above a certain age to God's waiting room. And I was the youngest one there. And at that time, I held probably being the youngest one to sit at that moment uh, for a long, long time. Um, Other people had a good 50 plus years on me. But I just thought, oh, my goodness, these people are ancient. (laughs) I think that's probably the nicest way of putting it. But remember, you're talking to a 15-year-old, 16-year-old now um, that doesn't really understand how to present themselves fully in front of a group of people. But yes, walking into that room, smelling a little bit damp, a little bit of uh, mould and mothballs, and that was just some of the people sitting there. And uh, it was just fun. It was hysterically great. And then no, I- having- Sorry. We speak it. That's all right. Sorry to interrupt. We speak in jest about age because, as we know, we are all getting older. And I remember my grandmother passed one week shorter, ninety first birthday, and inside she says, "Sandra, I still feel like the twenty three year old me." So, no offense to anyone, no matter what age you're at, I think you're at the perfect place in your journey. And even these young folks that we see now, they're they're going to gauge as well. So we're we're all on that road. Scott, what is the first, say, phenomena or like evidence of afterlife that you witnessed when you were in those rooms with Colin? I think the first one was the very first sitting when Colin was tied to a chair. And I know he was tied down because I watched it. And having the room quite full, there was no possible way when the lights were out that this man could walk around the room without hitting someone. And the uh, trumpet that lifted in the air, which is this cone, which is uh, very similar to this, it floated up in the air. And then to have the lady next to me say, is that you, Charlie? And it stopped and went, acknowledged her voice. And then she said, I'm so excited. It's Scott's first time. And I, I did be quite rude back to her because I was so scared. And the voice came out and said, is it, mister, let me get my feet and get my legs. And I heard these footsteps run, not walk, but run over to me. And without fumbling, the hand touched me. And the hand was warm. It was solid. It was a child. And the moment that hand touched me, it was like a transfer of love. I felt the presence. I felt this love. And I knew then that this is not possible, but it is possible. So really, that was my first evidence. But then throughout my mediumistic life, the spirit world reminded me, because I I needed a lot of convincing. And having family members, having possibilities of my thoughts being heard uh, in a private manner, And then in a seance, having the spirit people tell me what I was thinking and what my question was in my mind. These were the the small indications that actually this is real. Besides having the medium being lifted in the air and pinned to the ceiling and seeing that, having the medium taken through the brick wall 
experiencing that, having the medium slowly disappear in front of me and in front of others. These were little glimpses. And I never forget the time when I really wanted to run out this room was that uh, Colin always removed his jewellery. He removed his wedding ring, removed his Star of David and removed his watch. And he used to feed them into one another. So the necklace was fed around the watch and the ring was fed into the watch's handle. So it was all linked together. And he put it next to his cigarettes and he had gone off and Magnus was speaking and it was in light. So we were able to see him. And then his movement was literally hands up and down, hands up and down. And when he returned, he wanted a cigarette. So he got his cigarette and then he went for his jewelry and his jewelry wasn't there. And he said, where's my jewelry? And we said, Carl, because we called him Carl. Carl, we haven't moved. And he said, no, where is my jewellery? And we were like, we haven't moved. And he went, Charlie, bring it back. And he put his hand out and there was a shimmer of light about 30 centimetres above it. And then his jewellery just appeared from nowhere and landed in his hand. And he said, thank you. And he treated it normal. And I'm thinking, this can't be normal. This isn't normal. And you know those pictures of, of the Looney Tunes when they run towards the wall and they kind of splatter through the wall and it's just like a cutout? That was me towards the door. And I, I couldn't cope with the idea of, did I see? Was that real? Yes, it was. Why isn't no one else screaming like I'm screaming? It was normal. It was natural. And those are the moments that convince me. They convince me because this is beyond physics. This is beyond the understanding of what we call physics. But it's possible. And I think the spirit world sometimes do things like this to make us not answer, but have a question that leads to the greater question and such. This form of mediumship is so very rare called physical mediumship. And it'd be nice to think that people could just gather together and be in a room and things happen. But could you talk us a little talk to us a little bit about John Austin and the preparation of that room that you would come to sit in? This did not happen overnight. And this is called a home circle, correct? Absolutely. Now, um, so in order for me to bring John to life, I need to give you a bit of his background. So uh, John uh, had a brother. Can't remember his brother's name. But uh, so he had mum, dad and him and his brother and him and his brother went um, went off to war. Because his father served in the First World War and his father was actually blown up. Um, but he survives. He was blown uh, from a shell. He was buried and all they found was his foot and they pulled him out. And his father was never the same again. But during the Second World War, he was called up and his father protests and said, please don't, please don't, please don't. Um, but John went off to war and John was actually known very much in the community. And Lord Mountbatten knew of John as well, because his platoon, I don't know what you call it, but let's call it platoon, was under attack. And John was able to blow up a building which ended the life of many Germans. And everyone cheered and called him brains, I believe it was. 
And um, John obviously took that uh, back then as being a hero for his country, but it actually um, haunted him tremendously. He would always speak of that being what they thought was his proudest moment. He said, it was so shameful because he said, these people are, are not Germans. These people are people with mums, dads, sons, daughters, wives. And he said, I ended that. I caused so much grief. And I believe really that's where it started him on this journey. Now, John had two sons, one called Howard and one called John Jr. And um, John Jr. Um, went off to school and became quite academically inclined. And Howard also was academically inclined, but he also was a very good athlete. And there was potential that he was going to represent the United Kingdom in athletes. He was a very good runner. He was a very good javeler. And John always spoke of his son be going to go to great places. And Howard, John's son, along with Howard's girlfriend and best mate, boarded a train and sadly the train crashed and killed all three of them. John, like any parent, would be devastated and he went into a deep, dark depression. And John's mother started to go to spiritualist churches and spiritualist meetings and said, look, you've gone to church, you've gone to these places and they're not helping you. Let's go to a spiritualist meeting. And he actually started to look at a book called On the Edge of the Etheric, which is a fabulous book by Arthur Finlay uh, that talks about John Campbell Sloan's mediumship who was an independent direct voice medium. So John decided with his wife to see if it was possible to form a circle and see for himself if this is true. And for 40 years, they sat and they had all rays of phenomena from the table moving to objects being picked up. And in one of his times of investigating john hit mr and mrs doubt mr doubt moved in and said look i don't think this is for you so he shouted and said howard if you can hear me i need you now and from the mantelpiece this dish which was made out of wood that howard had made lifted off the mantelpiece floated across in light and landed next to him and he said from that moment on i never questioned I never questioned our friends. I know my son is there. So they started with the table. The table started to move. They started to ask questions. And it got so uh, fast, they needed a tape recorder, a reel-to-reel, to record the responses. So you would hear on the recorder, uh, for instance, Geraldine say, are you there, friends? The table would then move and show a yes. And you hear Geraldine saying, the table has responded yes. And on each sit-in, John always said, go to the strongest medium, which knocked into John. As this was occurring, they went to a sit-in with Doris Fisher-Stokes, a meeting. And Doris Fisher-Stokes never liked anyone turning up late. 
and John and Geraldine turned up late for whatever reason. And as they were walking down from the back to the front, Doris Fisher-Stokes stopped and gave him something, I think it was like 38 or 39 names of his family members and said, one day the trumpets will lift and the dead will walk again in your front room. Go away and work at it. So they started to make sure that the room was prepared in a seance condition. And in this time that John was living in London and he was invited to go to have a direct sit-in or a direct voice sitting by the medium Leslie Flint. And Leslie would sit in a chair very similar to this and suck on a bold sweep and voices were heard around him and he was able to interact. And on this sitting, Mickey, who was uh, Leslie's control, went to Geraldine and said, you've got a lot of power there. And Geraldine said, have I? And um, he said, yes, and there's a boy pushing forward. And so she said, come and talk to me then. And you heard a voice appear and said, mum, it's Howard. And for 15 minutes, they're talking, they're interacting. And um, Howard turns to John and said, talk to me, dad. And he said, I'm a bit taken back. He said, this is marvellous. This is wonderful. And they started to speak and they said, who else you got with you? And then. Howard's girlfriend started to speak and said, I know what you've tried to do with mum and dad. I'm so sorry they reacted like that because John tried to tell um, the the girl's mother and father of their results they were getting and they didn't want to know. They said it went against the church. So they carried on in their Christian beliefs and they said, you shouldn't disturb my daughter. But the daughter spoke and thanked them. And they said about moving to Brighton. And John said, I'm not going to Brighton because that was the main line where the train had crashed. And they said, no, Dad, they've got plans for you. So they moved to Brighton. They actually moved to a place called Port Slade, which is on the outskirts of Brighton. And it was a downstairs flat. And they converted their front room into what they called their seance room. And the table would always move. This lady day came down from Cardiff and to have a table sitting with John and Geraldine. And the table was moving. So they recorded their results. And you heard Geraldine, as clear as clear can be, said, is that you boys? The table has responded, yes. And then the cat walked in, said, be careful of the cat. The table has responded, yes. The lady from Wales said, I've never heard my voice back on recorder. So John said, well, wait there and round it back. And you hear when Geraldine says, is that you boys? You hear a voice saying, yes, mum, it's us. It's me. And when the cat walked in, Geraldine said, be careful of a cat. And Howard's voice comes back and says, I won't hurt Blackie, which was the name of the cat. So they decided to take the seances further and they wanted to create red floor, red walls and a cabinet area for them, for them to build up more power for their friends in the spirit world. And they went to a carpet company and as they went to the carpet company, there was a young man 
who was manager at the time. And he went over to uh, John and Geraldine when they walked in to greet them. And Geraldine hushed him away quite quickly, said, I, I don't want your sales. I just want to look around. And um, lo and behold, as um, they were looking at different bits of carpet, Colin happened to say, those people are very rude. And um, Geraldine ushered him back. And this gentleman, Colin, went and saw the carpet, which was red with a little bit of spots of black in it. You can imagine it now. Red with black spots. And they said, this is the carpet we want. This is where we need it fitted. And this is as soon as possible. And um, Colin said, I need to come around and measure your carpet. And lo and behold, they agreed on the Sunday that Colin would go around and measure the carpet. They measured the carpet. And as he was on his fours measuring out, John happened to go in there and say, we hold seances here. What's your thoughts on that? And Colin simply smiled and said, well, I'm interested. And, you know, that that's kind of interests me. And he said, well, let's have a sit-in. And in this sit-in, the table started to move. And John said, go to the strongest medium. And it moved away from John and hit Colin. And John said, I've been waiting for you. The prediction that was given was 40 years before. Colin was only in his 30s, so the prediction came before Colin was born, which showed that the spirit world had been preparing. And John had to then be patient and prepare the room and prepare the atmosphere. And that's why Colin took a rapid um, development within 21 hours, which is 21 weeks. It was from going from nothing to materialization. So the efforts of John having that faith, sitting week in, week out, and continuing to go. And then when Colin uh, started to uh, go to Hayward Teeth, um, to the building where I met Colin, the room was made available for myself and I was to continue for another few years uh, to, to sit and to develop. But John was always make sure the room was prepared and he would always open the door and say, welcome friends. Because he said, this is the room in which we meet. And that's how John had faith. He had belief. He was stern, but he was genuine. And that's a little snippet of a man that changed my life. Wow. Don't you have a beverage there? We can make a little toast to John. So when I first went and Mm -hmm. saw John, I brought him this old speckled hen. And once a year, I buy this drink. And I honor it to John. So if we are able to do so, I'm going to do my tradition because it's coming up to almost eight o'clock in the UK, which was the time of the circle. So this is to John. This is to Geraldine. This is to Colin. And this is to everyone who's played a part in making the Austin Wish Circle a reality. Cheers. Anyone listening or watching right now, hold a glass of something or bottle and drink. I have to say, how's it's that a taste? Dustin drink. <laughs> it's vile. That's why once a year we suck our teeth. But he enjoyed it. 
Oh, Scott, these are just really wonderful stories. I know in the seance room, it's dark, maybe a little red light. And I know you've heard, because I've we've interviewed you many times, some wonderful stories of, of things you've heard. Have you actually been able to see spirit people or parts of spirit people? Yes, um, I haven't seen what we call full materialization. I've seen partial materialization. And, and there's been a number of occasions. One was just a hand about that big um, floated across the room. And as that floated, one foot went the other direction. So that it was just like a foot going that way and a hand going that way. And the hand turned and looked at me and was coming towards me. And I was going, because you're not allowed to properly move. So you, I'm doing this, trying to get my way, my way from that. There was another time when uh, the red light was put on and the curtains parted and a baby's head appeared and, and came out of the cabinet and looked around the room and then just kind of collapsed and went back in. There was a time in Australia uh, when I was sitting with another medium and their hands were tied and the front of the cabinet was brought up in light and you're able to see the, the medium's hands. And then this hand appeared from above the curtain and under the curtain. So we were able to see four hands, two being the medium and two being the spirit people. There was another time when uh, a control called a white soaring bird um, was preparing to come through. And a gentleman called Williams said, would you like to see white soaring birds headdress? And of course we did not hesitate. We said, yes, do it please. And, um, all of a sudden, White Soaring Bird materialized in full headdress and brought his arms together. And as he brought his arms together, he went, ah. And as he pulled it apart, he illuminated. And you're able to see the headdress with uh, red feathers with brown tips or brown feathers with red tips. Um, my memory's a little bit vague on that, on that moment because I think it was like, oh, my goodness, I'm seeing this. And when the seance was over, my top that I used to wear was a brown top and my brown top had bleach marks through it along with a hole directly over the nipple area. And there was a lady who had a red jumper on and that also had holes all the way through it and bleached. I was mortified because I had to catch the train from Crawley back to Burgess Hill with this moment going on. And I was quite upset and I attended the same medium seance again later. And I said, Oi, William, uh, seances are supposed to be constructive, not destructive. When we last sat, my top was destroyed. Why was that? And they said that we had to take fibres from your clothing, colour to imbued within the ectoplasm. We asked you if you would like to see the headdress. You did not hesitate and you said yes. So we had to take the fibres what you should be doing is saying, yes, William, of course, but at what cost? So we're being educated by the spirit world because then they suggested that we bring in non-scented flowers so that they could take the um, colours from the petals and imbued it within the ectoplasm. Um, I remember seeing the face illuminated on the board. So the we have a luminous plaque about so big maybe a4 paper what glows in the dark and the spirit people place their hands over it and you see different forms of hands 
And then I said, if you can do the hand, you can do the feet. So the feet were shown. And then being cheeky, I said, if you could do the hand, the feet, can you do the face? And the plaque lifted up and was placed underneath my chin. And the spirit person then stood opposite and placed their chin on the board. And I was this far away and I was able to see complete detail of the face. But I noticed that they had a hood on. And as the uh, plaque moved, I was able to see their eyes, which were black as midnight. And as the um, plaque went over the head, the hood went back, the eyes closed, the mouth closed. And then all of a sudden they opened and I was able to see directly through the head at the plaque. So the eye, there was no eyeballs and there was no features within the mouth, but the mouth and the eyes were moving, uh, eyelids closing. And I screamed. And then it came back up. And as it came back up, and went underneath the chin, the face collapsed inwards and then reformed as a woman with curly hair and uh, darker skin. And it was a lady called Marie. And Marie's husband was sitting in the circle uh, by the name of Nick. So Marie then turned to speak to her husband on the noise night there. Not only did they talk, not only did they hug, not only did they kiss, he was able to see his wife's face. And I don't expect you to believe anything I say, because it's my truth, my path. But I ask you this, when you yourself have seen something or heard a voice that you recognize, you move from believing to knowing and nothing will shake your core about this. Nothing under the sun. Amen to that. In a minute, Scott, I want to talk a little bit about home circles because this didn't happen overnight. But I just want to share my a little bit of my experience because when I got to sit with you, and I've thankfully been able to sit about 20 times, I think, with you, although I have not seen those kind of things, I've certainly heard and witnessed so much phenomena. But I do remember there's a glow-in-the-dark plaque that you use, and there are no children in the room. We were all adults. And after so many presents got unwrapped all at the same time, it was it was around Christmas. So there were all these Christmas wrapped presents around a tree. And it was like a bunch of children had arrived, the presents got ripped open. You could hear the sound of all these presents getting ripped open like a like a Christmas morning. And then all the toys began to be played with. And uh, a lot of things had glow-in-the-dark tape and there was musical instruments and things were moving all over the, the room. But there was one of these, like you mentioned, the glow-in-the-dark plaque. And it was like a little spirit child with little hands, maybe four or five years old, I don't even know, but presented this plaque. And I could see the hands alive. And then I could feel the touch and so much love went through me. Just incredible. So I'm hooked. And again, like you said, you know, don't believe what I say, have, have an experience or sit for yourself on behalf of the spirit world. And for those of you who have never heard of this before, physical mediumship, basically the physical medium sits in what's called a cabinet, or it could be in a corner of a room with a cloth across, and that builds the energy. There is a gas that comes from the, that sounds bad, but <laughs> the medium uh, called ectoplasm. We still are real people when we migrate to their world. So we have an etheric body and they're able to actually step into this and this gas becomes hard and they become real. 
again, and it takes a lot of effort. So maybe it's just a hand, maybe it's just a foot, maybe it's just a voice. And if that word ectoplasm freaks you out, it certainly did with me in the beginning, until I realized that, uh, you know, you hear that term because it comes from the movie Ghostbusters. Well, Dan Aykroyd, who wrote and starred in the show, would you know that he is a spiritualist, comes from a line of spiritualists, his grandfather and great-grandfather sat in these seance um, conditions. And that's why the term was used. It was something that he was so familiar with. So obviously made it into a fun comedy, uh, but it's not weird, but it is wonderful. Oh, goosebumps. I've got goosebumps flooding through me throughout our time together, Scott. Can, can I just share what's a story? And it's, it's a bit, yes. raunchy, a bit raunchy, but I want you to go with it because I had a husband and wife come to me in, um, a workshop and they expressed that they were getting voices on a tape recorder known as electronic voice phenomena EVP and I hear this quite often I'm like oh okay and they said no seriously these voices are talking and I can show you so I said okay no problem and we sat there and you we always ask um the same question is there anyone uh and you have to wait like two minutes and then you play the recorder back like John did when he got the voices uh, of his son and this voice, when we said, is there anyone there? You heard this voice say, shut up, you knob. And we were like, pardon. <laughs> and they had personality. And then they called us amateurs. Get out my way, you amateur. And I found more so than ever that these so-called dead people are just like you and I. They maintain their personality. And if you just let me go a little bit with this one, um, sometimes in the demonstration, and it may be hard to paint, but I'm going to paint it anyway, is that I can sometimes wake up and a voice is talking separate from me, normally on my right side, maybe uh, about 30 centimetres away. Um, I can't seem to talk exactly at the same time, but I can piggyback the moment they stop talking, I can then talk. It's like my voice box becomes paralyzed. Um, but this voice um, came at Banyam and it was uh, a voice of a lady and said, mother, and you heard Lisa, it's your mother-in-law. And there's a lady in the audience called Lisa. And Sarah said, hello. And then I said, did you hear that? Um, I, there's a voice calling out, Lisa, it's your mother-in-law. And you heard the voice go, that's her, that's her. And they engaged in a conversation. And um, they gave out some lovely information about the canary yellow cardigan. Not the blue, not that canary yellow. And she said, yes, that's right. Um, you, you, you died in that yellow canary cardigan. They said, yes, that's correct, blah, blah, blah. And then you heard a whisper. And this whisper... Um, I was able to hear and other people were able to hear. And the voice turned around and said, they're calling me back. And Lisa here said, before you go, there's something I've always wanted to say to you. And this voice from the, the mother-in-law said, what's that? And Lisa, as bold as anything, said, I effing hated you. Which we all gasped. So good. <gasps> because when you get a telephone call from the spirit world, it's magical. And this voice, no word of a strength of lie, said, don't worry, my dear, I used to spit in your tea, and then collapsed. 
And I inwardly, I'm like, yes, like this. Oh, my goodness. And Lisa, who's receiving the contact, said, even in bloody death, this woman has the final word. But it was this joy that to hear personalities still talking to each other, it was real. And you think, oh, my goodness. And Daniel uh, formed quite quickly and said, um, I won't do that again bringing from a mother-in-law um and that's been now a running joke with this but it shows these people are living breathing honest people who just love you i think it's just awesome it's but great it shows, it's... oh sorry it also shows that the medium can't summon the dead and they can't say i'll get this person because surely that if Lisa's mother was in the spirit world, the, her mother would talk instead of the mother-in-law. But I think the mother-in-law came uh, to help her husband. So she became the medium's medium. These times together, the seances, the home circles, they're filled with joy. They are. They're, yes, communication with the so-called dead, but isn't it refreshing, everyone, to know that we go on? And as people are sitting in home circles here on earth, that there's communities there in the hereafter that are also working as well. We retain our sense of humor. <laughs> Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. You know, we've heard songs and jokes and, and so many things. Let's go back to the home circle, if we can, Scott, because this is so rare. People say, well, why haven't I heard? heard of it. And it's my belief, and you might want to expand upon this, but when the great wars happened, physical mediumship was in its heyday. People didn't have computers and iPhones and technology and busy, 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 busy. People got together as groups, as friends, as family. And it was normal conversation. People knew about sitting in home circles. It was just regular. And so many deaths occurred after the, the wars that it's the perfect opening for con artists to come in. And I think out of it, evidential mediumship ended up coming, you know, when you see a medium face to face or get a reading, something like that. But this was the predominant kind of mediumship and and trance mediumship. So would you agree that there's different reasons that this disappeared and people don't know about it? And can we bring it back? Well, I think, first of all, we've got to highlight um, that our gifts go in seasons. Like when the first raps and taps came on modern day spiritualism from 1848, and then there was the great um, mediums that were able to materialize the so-called dead. And then it came out of vogue, shall we say, and it was mental mediums. And then there was healers. Then there was precipitated artists. And then it started to then snowball back again. With physical mediumship, it's something that takes time and dedication. But you can have the perfect seed, the perfect seed from the most amazing plant. But if the soil's not good, it shouldn't grow or it will not grow to its potential. So we have mediums there, but we don't have the right people to develop it. And if I said to someone now, that you are going to be incarcerated within a home circle um, on a specific day and you are not allowed to go anywhere else and you are to find your path to the spirit world. I don't think we will get the dedication because the distractions 
of life have changed. Back in its heyday, your entertainment or your social thing was to sit with your family around a roaring fire because it was the only warm room in in the house. And you would be singing, having conversations. Children will be dozing um, because it's warm. Then someone would feel the presence and then lo and behold, it would take place. But even in France, when they were looking at table phenomena, it became this in thing of sitting for the table and having the table move. And I think the spirit world said, we can do better. Everything has to start with an idea and then it snowballs. We were hurtling towards mass exodus through World War One. Then there was World War Two. Then there was Hiroshima. Hiroshima, I, I may be mispronouncing it, still mass exodus, not only in the United Kingdom, but all over the world, there was disease. And I think the spirit world said, enough. And I think the spirit world said, we've got to intervene. So I think the spirit world saw the potential of war. And then they started to accelerate development. And people were called to serve. Like in COVID, that's just passed or still passing through us, the spirit world called and said, we need healers. We need people to then work on their spirituality to make the world a better place. And during COVID, even though the storms and the fires were burning, nature was thriving. The rivers were becoming clean again. The sky was becoming blue. The trees were starting to grow stronger. Nature was nurturing. But then we released and we've gone back into our own old ways. So I do think we can get it back if the spirit world needs it back. I genuinely do believe that they do need it back. I think if we can convince people um, or let me correct that because I, I'm not here to prove it. I'm here to create a condition and then the spirit world proves it. But if people can move from believing to knowing, I don't think there'll be war. Because they will have the realization that life is sacred. Wouldn't it be lovely to go back to the Alec Harris days where Alec Harris used to demonstrate to the school for the kids and then demonstrate for the adults in the evening? And the kids grew up knowing of this wonderful man that was able to materialize the dead. In our modern world now, we are having firefighters have meditation where they're teaching yoga in schools with, along with mindfulness. So I do believe the fires are there. I think they needed to put a lot into it back then so the fires catch and we're still having that warm glow spiritualism because at the heart of it we must call ourselves spiritualists spiritualism is a recognized religion so i think the spirit world said enough of this falseness now we must work so yes i do believe through the um continuity of home circle i do strongly believe that uh, and know that it's the backbone of what we do it's the bedrock in which we stand on. If not, it's like sink, uh, sinking sand. We'll just sit, we'll stand there for a moment and we'll just sink and it will not hold 
as well as it should. Thank you for that. When I picture home circle or even sitting in our own power for our development, I imagine, you know, each one of us has a mobile phone, cell phone, can't use it if we don't charge it. So to create that environment of charging and being in touch with our own soul, that's where the power lies. And some of the things that have happened just in the past few years is, you know, each one of us was touched in our own way by when COVID-19 hit the world. For myself, I was gainfully employed with the catering business with my mom, which paid the bills and the rug got pulled out from me and her and we had to start over, lost the business completely. You know, Scott was busy traveling and teaching and suddenly he's homebound. So not only did we have an interest in sharing spirituality, but we also had to pay the bills. So we brainstormed along with our friends, Phil and Carrie and, and Darren, and we started doing some online things and where this has ended up. And that's why I think the spirit world wants this because there is a passion within me to share that will not give up. We started doing a Monday class every Monday. We said trance in the altered states with Scott. And we have all these people all over the world that come and go, maybe stay for a month. Some people have been with us for the whole time, but it's an opportunity to learn how to sit within that power and to sit and allow that gentle blending of those who work in the spirit world with us and to be in touch with our loved ones. So started that. You started on Tuesdays, sitting in the power hours twice a day. Come join Scott and just for an hour, get away from it all and sit within your own power. On Fridays, we started doing what's what you named in the arms of eternity, an opportunity to sit on behalf of healing, send healing to the world and wherever it's needed, and then have an extraordinary conversation through your trance mediumship. Uh, we've started the Sunday gathering. It's a free event that people can join in and be inspired and also medium demonstration included. And I'm so excited that now, as of today, we're going into our fourth year of doing all of this stuff. And I think even though we haven't had that opportunity to travel, we have planted seeds, Scott, for the most beautiful people. And you who's listening or viewing this, you're part of that too. And that would have never happened had we not had that time to rest. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, everything happens for a reason. And the funny thing is, and uh, our friends of ours, uh, Rob and Maggie, were present during a trance demonstration where the control said the world will shut and close down and hold its breath for two years. And we all were like, what? No, no chance for that. And it was said, and we were, you know, as we were getting ready for Seattle and other places, and everything was was being told six to eight months before we even knew about COVID. I remember the spirit world saying that I must rest for two years. I will stop working for two years. And I said, I can't. This is, this is I've, gi I've given my, my mainstream work to represent you. You can't do this to me. And they said, the world will hold its breath, and so will you. And they were quite brutal towards me. And I was like, no, 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 no. But it shows that the spirit world knew. They said that mankind will ingest something which was not meant to be ingested. And from that, circles changed because the needs of the people changed. 
we've been told for many years, 26 years now, time of change is coming. The time of change is now. Mankind must change its way. I do believe that we're being called to serve because not only do we have to contend with COVID, we've got to contend with the disagreement on war with Russia and Ukraine. Then Sudan. Then the big earthquakes. The big floods. Everything seems to be happening all at once. And we've got to stand firm to what we know but give that milk of human kindness to other people. And if that is to serve in a seance or home circle, the home circle is formed to help the spirit world for whatever they want to do. Because that's the true meaning of home circle. You are sitting to serve, to sweep that path. And that's why, ladies and gentlemen, I'm so focused on reminding everyone. When people say to me, Scott, how can I develop? I say, go back to home circle, because John used to say, go back to your circle, go back into the home circle and sit and work and do. And good news for anyone who's interested in home circles. Just a couple of weeks ago, Scott and I launched an at-home study course on home circles. Of course, not everybody can meet for home circles. There's people meeting with friends online, experimenting learning how to sit on your own. So I interviewed Scott about the whole world of home circles. And it's a, it's a video course you can watch. But we also added in, there's about 20 hours of material. You can listen to Scott, one of his seances. You can hear some trance demonstrations. There's questions and answers about home circles with Scott. And then there's questions and answers with Scott's spirit team while Scott was entranced and so much more. So if that's something of interest to you, you can certainly find out about that. Um, Scott's website, you, go, you can access it if you go to wedontdie.com. And at the top of the page, there are different tabs to click on. There's one right there that says Scott Milligan. So you can see everything we're up to, including joining us maybe on a Friday for In the Arms of Eternity or on a Monday. And Scott, I want to share with everybody now that little secret that I just told you not too long ago about what we have been doing behind the scenes. And you didn't even know, did you? Oh, no, I didn't. And I'm, I'm eternally <laughs> but overwhelmed. Well, overwhelmed oh. and excited. So when there's a demonstration on a Friday, Scott leads us through a sitting for healing, and it's an opportunity to close our eyes and just kind of zone out and let the spirit world use us any way they wish to send our healing energy Following that, Scott keeps his eyes closed and allows his spirit friends or asks his spirit friends if they'd like to work through him, uh, blend with him. And out of his own mouth, usually we hear from a lovely gentleman named Eric, who has been on Scott's team for probably since before you were born, I would think. And we get to have these most extraordinary conversations. There's usually some inspiration that comes out in the beginning, followed by a question and answer period. So we have people from all over the world join us and in the Q&A box or live, they can ask our friend about life, about death, about the afterlife. I love it. And of course, Scott's eyes are closed. So I don't know how much of it he hears, but they're, they're working through him with the most 
beautiful words of inspiration and comfort and joy. They're really precious. Well, secretly, there's been a team of volunteers who have listened to every single one, have gone through and written down what question was asked at what time. We have created Scott Milligan Trance Question and Answer a Library. It now holds over 180 hours that we've been together of both the sitting for the healing and these extraordinary questions and conversations. I love it because not only could you listen to every single one of them, but if you have a question on healing, children in the afterlife, pets in the afterlife, spirit guides, whatever. I mean, you, you think about it, it's probably been asked before. You can go in and search and you can find which recordings have that question asked and you can go listen. I don't believe there's anything like this on planet Earth. <laughs> I don't. And for me, the Fridays that we're together are so valuable to me, reminding me that life after death is so real. Uh, death is just an illusion. And to be able to share these with people, I, it's, you know, it's obviously not the Scott Milligan show. This is about the spirit world, the unseen world in, in their words. And now these words can live on forever out there for whomever needs a bit of a reminder and love and direction. So that you can also find at the we don't die.com forward slash Scott page. And we're so proud to share that. So Scott, happy anniversary, my friend. Thank you so, so much. And I, I couldn't believe for 26 years back then to be where I am today in life. And not only meeting extraordinary people like yourself and those in the community, but also finding a acceptance from a fear I had of death to now that death is going to return me to my family. And I think for myself, that's a nice place to be. And if that is my reward for the, the screams and tantrums that I had trying to learn, then I, I think it was well worth the 26 years. I hope that whatever we do remains within the ether far beyond you and I's life here on earth, uh, because there are still people who are being born and there's still people who are passing to the spirit world. So there will always be a need for a voice. And I hope if anyone will represent me when I'm no longer here, you represent me in the right way. Because if not, I'll come back and haunt you. And I will absolutely cause mayhem. And uh, I will make you go bald like mediumship has done to me um, through all the times that I want to just pull my hair out and scream. Um, but remember, there's a fun side of what we do. You get to listen to gossip. You get to know all the juiciness of their experiences. But then you realize as a sobering reminder that as you uh, give yourself to the power, the power through you can heal many people. So death does not care or illness does not care. 
grief does not care. It happens. And no one wants to join that club. But sadly, families are broken. And the medium's job is to help bring people together. And what they do from that experience is in their hands. You'll never heal from grief. I don't think it's a painful scar. But what you can do is learn to take a deeper breath in and think of better times instead of the last moments. And I think that's what we do. Um, but there's been hysterical moments. I don't know how more, much more you want me to waffle on, but I can waffle because I've met some incredible characters from the spirit world who will become my eternal friends uh, from this day forth and onwards. But those who are developing, you'll have peculiar moments. You'll have um, wonderful experiences where you can feel the power oozing from you. You have these wonderful moments where you're seeing visions within your mind. You can have wonderful phenomena um, like they used to do with John. They used to lift him up in the air and drop him down as they exercise the ectoplasmic rods. Uh, they took me over the sofa, uh, partially in light. So you saw the chair and me go over the sofa and go up the wall. And John screamed, said, you'll break his neck. And the chair lifted back from the wall and landed on the floor and rotated back over towards the cabinet. Um there was a wonderful experience, and I'm on one now, um, but I just want to share it to show that they can. Um, one time I was at a course in Scotland uh, with the fabulous medium called Eileen Davies, and a voice whispered very quickly, sit and sit now. So we obeyed, and I said to everyone, this is going to be an experiment. I don't know what's going to take place, so let's just go with it. Uh, tied down as normal. On this side was Eileen Davies. On this side was a lady called Debbie. Uh, and Debbie is a very experienced sitter, but also very logical and rational. And they were asked to hold, go into the cabinet, which they did. And they placed my their hand on top of the back of my hand and they felt the strap. And the strap was there. And then they asked to bring their hand up across my body. They met in the middle and went back down. So they crossed over each other. They put their hands back up, went to the hand. And then the spirit world said, do it again. And as they put their hand in, as it got up to the shoulder, there was no chest. There was just the chair. As Eileen put her hand up along with Debbie, they had my head. And they were doing what they call partial dematerialization. And when we returned, um, I think it helped them to kind of ask further questions. And to reaffirm anything is possible if we can put our ego to one side and meet the spirit world. There's Thank you. matter through matter. It's just fabulous. Yes. I'd like one more story of something, somebody, something, who knows. But I want to just make a few announcements. Absolutely. First, while you're gaining, gathering your thoughts. I'm trying to drink, drink John. I have to say I'm going to need some Gaviscon or Peptotismal after this one. If you plug your nose when you drink, you, you don't taste. I learned that from taking well, medicine. I can't get. So just a, a few quick announcements. First of all, our home base is wedontdie.com. From there, you can find almost 400 episodes of We Don't Die Radio, over 100 episodes of Shades of the Afterlife. You can join an extraordinary Facebook group, all of our 
people that speak the same language. You can click on the tab on the top for Scott Milligan, see everything he's got coming up, going on, home circles, the library, sitting with us on Fridays or the Mondays or his upcoming live events that you may want to partake in. There will be more as time goes on, but that's a good place to start. Also on the home screen, uh, we don't die.com. If you scroll to the bottom of that, it says if you add your email address, you can get a few f- chapters of my book, We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. The truth is it is the entire book. Why this is important is because we all have or we all will experience what is the worst thing I think any human being will experience, and that is the passing of a loved one and feeling grief. Chapter 10 of my book is how to survive grief. And it gives so much information about why we grieve, what's happening within the body, things that are in our control, things that are out of our control, things that we can do to feel better and and move through it. Unfortunately, there's no way around grief. It's through it. But once we know some of these valuable things about it, you'll be more gentle on yourself and more gentle on others. There's a group we recommend, helpingparentsheal.org. If you're in that community, there's over 20,000 parents now that are part of it. And they do talk the reality of afterlife. They also have help through grief. There's also a hotline that you can call anytime if you need to talk to somebody, an amazing organization. We have our free Sunday gathering. Like I said, free. It is the most powerful, I think, thing to start your week and medium demonstration as well. There's medium courses there. Um, What else? Oh, just recently, our friend Stuart Alexander, who is a retiring physical medium, he put together a list of audios from senior spiritualists who are gone now, but their voice lives on about some of these stories like Scott shared, these people that got an experience of sitting with these magnificent mediums of days gone past and what they witnessed happening. So that's pretty incredible. I think that's it for announcements, but it's all at wedontdie.com and just play around with the buttons because there's lots of good things there. So Scott, one more story or words of inspiration from you before we say I think uh, one thing is to reaffirm with Stuart Alexander that recordings that he has are precious because people who used to know these mediums are now going to the spirit world and therefore we are becoming whispers of of the stories and sometimes people like me my gray matter sometimes forget i think uh one of the humorous stories and i mean this with love and i think this is just to show fun of it eileen davies is one of the uh best evidential mediums in the world and she has a wonderful gift called clairaudience so she's able to hear the spirit world as as clear as i'm talking to you and her accuracy rate is in the 90s, if not 100. And um, Eileen and I used to work uh, a lot together before COVID. And I was doing a demonstration in Eastbourne where she was my minder. So she was sitting next to me. And she said, I've learned a new song, Scott. So I said, oh, what's that? She went, fly like an eagle. So I went, oh, lovely. Um, so I said, well, I'm going to play some free songs. I said, no, no, no. I will sing it. She is gone. So she started to sing. And I so I closed my eyes and I reached for my my team. And I kind of said in my, my mind, my own prayer and saying to the spirit world, let the work begin. 
And then I've opened my eyes and she's still singing. And I thought, <clears throat> closed my eyes again and moved into that power, reached the spirit world again. And she carried on singing. So I said, Eileen. She said, yes. I said, it's not working. So she started to sing louder. I, and I said, I'm still here. And she's like, fly like an eagle. And I said, for God's sake, Eileen, shut up. <laughs> because she's a fabulous medium. But she and I are the only ones that can uh, become harmony, uh, singing out of key together. And I said to her, please be quiet. And the moment she was quiet, I reached again and I became aware of my team. And I was aware of the fun and laughter that they were experiencing. So my story is that we can be brilliant at certain things, but we can't be brilliant at all things. We're just like people. Um, we have a faculty that makes our minds are used. And I want to just share these words with you. My friend Eric spoke to me with the potential of my path. He said, "If you do you desire to be a star, my boy, you will. But all stars will fade and turn to dust. But those who contributed to humanity will live forever in the hearts and minds of your tomorrow. If you desire to be a star, my boy, you will. But all stars will fade and turn to dust. And those words have haunted me from the moment he uttered them to the day I die. Because mediumship isn't about being a star. What lives for applause is about being a beacon of light for someone who feels that they're in the darkest of their days. So be a medium that carries the power, carries that love and shares it with the world. And those are the words I wish to end them on. Scott, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thanks. Raise that glass, my friend. I know we'll talk to each other more. And ladies and gentlemen who have listened, thank you for giving us our, your time. Whether you watched or you listened, it just doesn't matter. We're so grateful you're here. Again, our home base is wedontdie.com. Go to the top of the page, click on the Scott Milligan link, and you can see all kinds of great things. Also, you may or may not know this, but around you in this invisible space, you've got a support team of cheerleaders who have lived this life before. Perhaps some have not. I think most have. It's very difficult for them to communicate like we would like them to, flashing lights on and off, whatever. If we can quiet our mind, our busy, busy mind, recall some of our loving memories with them, and just rest in that. You may be surprised at thoughts and feelings and memories and pictures and sounds and things start coming to mind. Using our imagination is the best way they know to communicate. And so often we human beings just brush, brush it off and say, that's my imagination. That's them. There's so much more we could say, but time is not here, you know. There's always more. There really is. So take us up on our offer and come join us at some of the things. And are you a medium? Yes. By right of being a human being, we all have mediumistic abilities. But just like playing the piano, some people are natural at it. Some people have to learn. If you choose to, you've got a loving team around you that would love you to share in whatever unique way they can work with you. 
Sometimes you may just say the right thing to someone in a dark time and they needed just to do that. Whatever it may be, it's most important is for you to find your passion and follow it and just be you because you're one of a kind and you're worth it. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain. I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul. That Your life here on earth is important. Go give yourself a little self-love. Talk to the people around you. You're never alone and you are loved. So thank you for listening or for watching and we'll see you soon.